You know, we went from doing 200 bucks a month in August 2020 to almost 4,000 in December. And now our most recent month, we did almost 23K. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today, I'm joined by Val Hinoff, who is the founder of Thankbox, an online group card tool that grew to 20K per month throughout lockdown. Now, Val is facing the challenges of what to do when your product scales, what to do when the wave that brought you that initial success starts to slow, and when your product has a one-time purchase pricing model. Now, as indie hackers, we're always trying to squeeze extra hours in our day to work on our side projects. What about if you had the whole extra day to work on your projects while still getting a full-time salary? Well, today's episode sponsor could be for you. Fourdayweek.io is the place to get a software job with a better work-life balance. All jobs have a four-day workweek contract and most are only 32 hours. Find the best remote tech jobs from companies with a great work-life balance at fourdayweek.io or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this episode. Val, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Uh, nice to be here, James. I'm, I'm doing great, actually. Take me back to what you did before Thankbox and then where the idea came from to you launching it. Before Thankbox, I mostly did uh, contracting work for various different teams. And I noticed this issue with every single team I'd been in. Whenever someone had an occasion, they would be leaving or having a baby. Their manager would rush to the, to the shop, buy a card <laughs> last minute. Everyone would try to discreetly sign it. You'd have to go to the a cash machine to get cash to put in in an envelope and then whoever wasn't even in the office couldn't actually contribute to the card so the end result was always nice because the person would get a nice card like i still keep some of my cards from previous jobs but the whole process was like a hassle Mm. and after yet another one of these in 2019 um at a place where i was contracting as a developer i thought there must be a better way to do this you know online and i had a look and while there were some solutions out there that handled part of the problem like nothing really quite seemed to to, to do it the way i wanted it done and i just come off the back of terminating a previous startup i tried which failed because at that point i knew nothing about startups so i was determined to take all the lessons i'd learned before mainly try to keep the, the scope small try and do it quickly and try and iterate quicker. And the idea of Thankbox came about towards the tail end of 2019. I had it on ice for a little while, but then when COVID happened in 2020, yeah. when March happened and I saw everybody was going to work remote, it just returned in my brain and wouldn't let me go. It was like, you have to do it now. Otherwise you're going to miss, you're going to, you're going to miss an awesome opportunity because yeah. everybody's going to need to do this now. There's no in-person cards anymore. And two months later, Thankbox V1 went live. How did you build it? Did you just lock yourself away in a room to build it? Did you outsource it to anyone? Did you always already have the bare bones built from when you had the idea previously? I had a designer I'd worked with before in my previous startup, and she's the first person I shared the idea with back in 2019. And she jumped on board. She loved it. So she was able to do the initial design, the initial visuals of the brand. But then in terms of actually building the first version of the website, I uh, actually spoke to a friend of mine who was a a really great full stack web developer. I didn't have any web dev experience at the time and I was also contracting, so I couldn't dedicate like enough time to build it quickly. So him and I, we agreed on a profit sharing agreement where he would build kind of the first version of the website and then hand it over to me in exchange for a percentage of the the profits once we got above a certain stage. You saw lockdown, very smart move to launch this then because I'm guessing at that point there is a huge need not only for people rushing out and getting cards, but now they couldn't do that. They're not in offices, they're all working from home. So there was definitely a need for it. But how did you get the product in front of people? Where did you launch it to? 
so initially during the first three, four, five months of, of the product launch, I uh, leveraged my, my local network as much as I can because I had worked in many different places, as I mentioned. I just went to people over LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever and just asked, look, I built this. I think it's great. Could you use it in your team the next time you have an yeah. occasion and let me know what your feedback is. I knew from the very beginning how important networking effects would be yeah. in a product like Thankbox because the whole idea is you create a card and then you send the link to the card to 20 of your colleagues to sign. So now that's 20 people that know about Thangbox. So it was great to see. And the first five or six months, it was just slowly growing by word of mouth and on my local network because I was struggling to, to come up with a way to position the brand and to do the whole brand language in a way that people would understand right off the bat. And luckily, after a big overhaul in October 2020, where we completely redesigned the landing page, created an explainer video and everything, we started running Google search ads, which turned mm. out to be the best traction tool to use because even with a tiny budget, like I'm talking like five bucks a day, we started seeing people coming and sticking around and that kind of lit a rocket under Thankbox and it started growing massively. We went from doing 200 bucks a month in August, 2020 to 800 in November to almost 4,000 in December. And now our most recent month, we did almost 23K. That's amazing. So tell me about those ads because some indie hackers would be apprehensive of doing ads. It's quite complex to look into it. Did you have a background with Google ads? Did you just figure it out by Googling it? And what did you then bid on? What keywords? And how did you decide how much over time? So I can understand the hesitancy because I actually tried Google ads very soon after launching and I hadn't set it up right. I ended up just spending a lot of money without any results. I hadn't optimized the landing page and everything, and I just got scared and I stopped. But I had somebody who was helping me with, with the marketing and the branding, and he suggested, let's just try Google Ads again. We can just try a, a really simple campaign and, and, and see what happens. And there we were, we actually tried to be a bit more specific with the keywords that we target, try to be very, and be mindful um, of the budget. And almost immediately we saw success. And before that point, we had tried social ads, we tried Facebook mm. ads, we tried Twitter ads, we tried running a paid competition. And it doesn't take a, a big budget to do this. Like you can experiment with 50 bucks on LinkedIn, 50 bucks on Twitter, a competition for like $100. These are all kind of small experiments you can run. But if there's any heartbeat there, it will start showing. So you know whether to keep going with it. And once we started running Google ads again for us, it completely took off. Like we immediately knew that there's something there, but initially it was just a lot of the use cases that I wanted to target with Thangbox. So the biggest use case I had in mind was leaving cards, you know, yeah. online leaving cards, group online cards, things like that, but actually focusing on the online bit, even yeah. where there wasn't that much traffic. Once we saw that that was working and producing results, slowly trying out different campaigns. And again, when you're just starting out and you're just trying to determine whether this is the right avenue for your product, you don't have to do like a fancy campaign that optimizes time of day spend or day of week spend or where to bid more or where to bid less. Like you don't have to do that. Keep it small and just see what sort of results you get. You should be able to verify very quickly if something's working or not. And if it's not working, you can move on to something else. And if you are using SEO and you're getting some success, there's a high chance that ads are probably gonna work as well. At this point, Val, how are you monetizing it? Because I'm guessing for online cars, people might be expecting to get it for free or very cheap because there's a bunch of 
tools that you can get for free that might be ad supported. It is a one-off purchase when you send the card. So it costs $5.99 for a standard card and $9.99 for a premium one. Basically gives you the option of adding videos to your messages and adding custom fonts, custom backgrounds, just a lot more customized experience than the regular one. More recently, I also added the option of buying packs of prepaid tank boxes. So this is more to target bigger companies which use tank box regularly and they would maybe want to have a pool of cars they can share amongst their team rather than buying each one individually. They can buy, for example, a pack of 50 at a 30% discount and then share it with their with their team. And that's been slowly taking off as well since one of my key strategies is to get into big companies, into big businesses and become their tool for employee celebration. You mentioned that peak you had in July. You had $18,000 you made in one month, and that was sort of 2021. So you got to that peak, and you went on the Indie Hackers pod, and you talked about it, and I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. But then it dropped, and then dropped again. So what happened between July 2021 and now where you've had your highest month. Talk me through what's changed. What I did in August was I updated the domain name of Tankbox. So I finally managed to secure the .com domain, which I had been on the hunt for quite a long time, but I managed to track the person down who owned it. And he was very courteous to let me buy it in exchange for $3,000. Once I had changed over the domain, our SEO took a predictable hit. What I actually learned is that there's quite a bit of seasonality when it comes to cards. And I didn't know that beforehand. But for example, July is a standout month because it's usually the school end here in the UK. It was used as a thank you card for teachers by a lot of parents. And that inflated Mm -hmm. July sales quite a bit. Afterwards, there was just a period where the sales just couldn't catch up to that level purely because there wasn't that increased demand. And then I saw it again in December, when in December, obviously, (laughs) again, Christmas, Again, a lot of teacher cards, a lot of Christmas cards for staff, and that increased the numbers massively. So it's made me realize, okay, this is not like a classic SaaS where you have subscription revenue that you try and add to every month. This is more based on, okay, there's always some level of demand, but that demand can increase during the year. And the only way to know that is for your product to grow big enough so that spikes in sales like that become more noticeable. And because I've been... through one year of it, it can help me be a bit calmer about what to expect and even to prepare in in advance of these months where there is increased demand. So throughout this whole time, were you just working on it yourself? Was there any point where you chose to hire some people or outsource anything and had your perspective changed on that? So I've outsourced bits of it from the very beginning and even though I knew that would mean that it would take me longer to get to profitability, I was totally okay with it because I, I will readily admit I suck at certain things. I suck at design. I am not that great at marketing, although I'm trying to improve there. So I outsourced my design. After we reached profitability, I also said, okay, let's outsource some of the other things that I'm not really good at or I don't enjoy doing. So I've outsourced some of my marketing and my uh, content creation. I've also recently outsourced my customer support since it's actually gotten to the point now where it's eating so much of my time that I'd rather outsource it and be more productive where where I can be. So I have maybe in total five or six part-time people helping me with, with various tasks. That's cool. And what, what's your life situation? Are you, are you working on this full-time now? 
I'm still doing a, a little bit of contracting, although my prediction is that at some point this year, I will switch to doing Thangbox full time. Until now, I was able to juggle it and I wanted to continue contracting mainly because there wasn't any way to, to know whether I've, I will for sure have a certain revenue each month. Like I mentioned, it's a one-off purchase product. There's no recurring revenue, so it's hard to predict. But now after having a few steady months, I can at least to a certain level of comfort say, okay, I know that we probably won't fall below this level and this is enough for me to actually go f- full-time. Val, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think Thankbox looks amazing. It's so impressive what you've done with it in these short couple of years. And it's even more impressive how you've taken it from where it was in July to then in August where it dipped and now back up. You seem like you're in a very cool place with it. What, what's your goal? What's like a good number do you want to, to hit within the next year? So what I want to do this year is make 30K a month be my typical month and from then on move the goalpost again this is how this works and are you enjoying yourself i am i am enjoying myself yeah i have had periods where it's felt really tough and i've had to slog through it but i have never regretted working on it i have never wanted to stop working on it you know as long as it makes me happy as long as it's interesting i will continue i will continue on it i end each episode with three recommendations a book a podcast and an indie hacker all right so for books atomic habits and that's purely because i just finished reading it i think it was a long overdue on my founder list of books to read but it it is actually it lives up to the hype it's a really good book for a podcast i'll i'll give you something slightly different i love the revolutions podcast which is these long series on the different revolutions of the world so he's done the french revolution uh the american revolution the russian revolution and i am a history geek in terms of an indie hacker i would say andrea bussoni who does Mm. the zero to marketing uh newsletter i think his case studies uh, are amazing he does um one every two weeks or one every month so i would highly uh, recommend you check him out and his tweets are always great and insightful as well Val, fantastic recommendations. Thank you for joining me, mate. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bytes. You'll find links to everything discussed in the episode in the show notes. A reminder that if you're looking for a tech job with a better work-life balance, head to fourdayweek.io. Finally, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more from me, you can check out my brand new podcast, No More Mondays, where I chat with my friend Dan Rowden about building our indie businesses. See you next week.